Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Growth Marketing Today. Today, I have a special guest. His name is Christian. He's growth at Bruja, which is a ticket selling platform. He's also the marketing manager at Plantswell. Now, as a disclaimer, I actually recorded this last year before I got married, and I just got around to editing this and putting this out there. With that in mind, I'm actually looking for more guests. If you know any marketers, any growth uh, designers, any growth product managers, I am looking for guests for the show. So if you know anybody or if you want to be on the show as a guest, reach out to me, Ramley at Growth Marketing to the Day. I would love an intro if you know somebody. In this episode, you'll learn three things and more. First of all, why often the best growth marketers are very entrepreneurial. They're uh, they think like an entrepreneur. They move like an entrepreneur. Second, the three growth experiments at Bruja, uh, what they did that resulted in the greatest lift. And finally, why it's important to fall in love with the process. I know we hear this a lot uh, and why it's much better to, to pursue the process than the results itself. As that, sound, that might sound counterintuitive because a lot of us want the results, but being in love with the process actually reaches us to that result. I don't want to ramble on anymore. Let's listen in on my chat with Christian. Hey, everyone. I have here Christian all the way from Hamilton from Bruja. How's it going, Christian? How are things with you on your end? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing really good, uh, really well. I'm excited to have you because I've been like following your podcast. I've been following your uh, your startup journey. I'm seeing you on the the newspaper, <laughs> so I'm like, wow, that's pretty legit. Yeah, you tell a little bit about your career journey so far, because I love asking this question. You know, it's like usually it's a zigzag and not necessarily a linear path like a lot of uh, graduates think it is. So maybe we can get start that. Yeah. For sure, yeah, I think that's a good place to start. I, I, and I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there when you said a zigzag. For me, that's exactly what it's been like. My path or journey, you know, to where I am now, whatever, however you want to call it, has definitely been what I what I would say, anyways, is the complete opposite of any sort of straight path, or or at least one that's you know you could easily or, or clearly uh, define and sort of plan. I can, I can honestly say that up until now, it has been even even now actually, um, it's been quite all over the place. Uh, and I think a lot of, a lot of that had to do with me uh, early on, just really not knowing what I wanted to get into. Um, and so because of that, what I was doing is I was landing drop jobs that you know, one I didn't really care about, but I stuck them out because I was either good at them or it was some sort of source of income to pay the bills, or I looked looked at them uh, as learning opportunities for me to be like, okay, this is either, you know, something that I really do enjoy or something that I just hate. And I know I'm going to maybe go forward with it for another two to three months before I do something else. Um, but the one thing that I think was really beneficial in, in all of that from me going sort of from like job to job and, and company to company uh, and all of these different experiences was just taking on so many different roles. Like you learn so many new skills. And on top of that, you do get to meet some really incredible people along the way. And, you know, when I, when I look back at that alone, just like the people that I've met, I think that that kind of is pretty rewarding in itself and makes it almost worth it itself. But I would say in terms of, you know, the entrepreneurship aspect of it, how I first got into that is, is, uh, 
I got into that coming out of a college program that I had finished up. It was in global business management. And I started a clothing company with a with a good buddy of mine. And that was... It actually is funny because it started off as a class project. Um, and we ended up doing almost like this like market research anyways. We came up with like a sales and a marketing strategy and sort of like an operational plan for the business. So we're like, you know what? Done all of this legwork up until now. Why don't we just move forward with it? Like, you know, sure, it's probably going to fail. But if, if we don't move forward with it, we're probably going to be beating ourselves up with the fact that we didn't give it a go. And so that for me, that was really like my real first taste at what it took to start things. And man, did I learn very quickly. Uh, and of course, you know, that being said, the venture did fail. Um, but the lessons and, you know, what I learned from it, even about myself, were huge wins. Uh, and then sort of from there, like I did take on other roles sort of in between. I did a lot of uh, social media management for, for small and medium-sized brands, uh, some of my buddies' companies as well. Um, but later then, I co-founded Bruja with a few other founders. And as you know, I'm also the co-host of a podcast as well called, right. called The Art of the Fail Podcast. So yeah, that's, that, that's kind of where I am at right now. So yeah, I think uh, like I was saying, you know, not to go off on a tangent on this, uh, a zigzag for sure. Definitely the opposite of a straight line. Uh, that's, uh, that's awesome. I, I love hearing that. I think it's very encouraging for people coming out of university, even people coming out of high school. I think people, I don't know, my, my parents used to tell me, hey, you need to figure out what you want to do when you're 17. I'm like, looking back, like you really didn't have to, you just have to feel it out. One of the things that I find fascinating with you is you, you did start, you, have, you had that entrepreneurial bug. And I'm, I'm finding a correlation between people who are very entrepreneurial and people who are really good growth marketers. I'm not sure if you're finding that. If you know, what do you think about that? How has your like your starting a business helped you now that you're like head of growth of this this company? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I I love the question. I mean, I would completely agree with you. Like, I I I do think so too. And I think a lot of that has to do with when you kind of break it down, just like the core nature of both of them. So what I mean by that is uh, entrepreneurs, especially let's say you know someone working or you're at the early stage of, of your company sometimes and usually often you have to literally do anything and everything uh, that you can to survive. So it's almost like a sink or swim really is what equates to what a lot of people or how a lot of people phrase it, which is wearing a lot of different hats. And so in essence, it's, you know, even when you break that down, you're like, well, what does that mean? What that means is it's, you're literally exposing yourself to so many different functionalities, maybe all of them within the business. Uh, and, and naturally, again, just a lot of different situations. So more so, since you don't have the da- a lot of the data behind you, everything you're doing at that stage is, is based off of some sort of experiment that you're trying, or you're just making some sort of like guess or a flat assumption. Like, I think this is going to be a good product. Right. But I don't have data behind us. Um, so we're just going to go out there. We're going to release the feature and we're going to see whether or not it, uh, it works. And I think to me and to a lot of people, uh, you know, that is in essence what growth marketing is, is all about a lot of like trial and error and experimentation, uh, obviously being backed by data. Um, you know, and there are a lot of definitions or, or even different definitions out there for growth marketing. So, but at the end of the day, it's all about attracting more engaged customers. You know, you can kind of compare that to um, traditional marketing or account-based marketing where you're either focusing on the top of the funnel or just on strictly key accounts. 
um, and so you're like, well, how do I arrive at more engaged customers? And it's quite simple in theory, but in practice, it's really <laughs> tough, which is, you know, sort of what separates the good growth marketers from, you know, maybe the not so great ones. And, you know, it's really by this process of experimentation to identify, okay, what are, what are the most efficient ways to grow your business and to get those results? So more or less, it's literally, con- you're constantly making these flat assumptions, uh, sometimes experimenting crazy ideas that you think will work. You're testing them, you're measuring them, you're getting your results, and then you're moving forward. So you're either going to move forward with what you found to work and be a very efficient process along the way, um, or you're going to completely scratch that and you're going to go on to the next experimentation. That's why I think there's a strong correlation between, you know, maybe the entrepreneurship mindset and, and growth marketing. It's because, again, it's sort of like I always look at it as like a sink or swim mentality, but it's just like, end of the day, it's like, how can you not even perfect, but like, how can you come up with the most efficient process, you know, and something that is repeatable? And you need to have the data back behind you. But yeah. So good. No, so true. Um, one of the things that I heard, my head when you were talking was about like uh, you're in this realm of uncertainty and bringing mm-hmm. being being an entrepreneur is a, a perfect definition of not like not knowing what your business model is right we go marketers is oh, not exactly. knowing where your channels are exactly. so, which brings me to the point with with your with your startup right now um you've yep. been going at it for i think a couple of years let's talk about bruja what what is it like what is it about then yeah. we can talk about growth for that yeah 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 for sure so bruja we're um you know kind of just a give, I guess, like the Coles Notes version of it. We're a, we're a Canadian-based event uh, ticketing or registration platforms. So what we do is we help event organizers manage, provide tools and features uh, through the platform that allow these event organizers uh, to effectively manage their events and handle registrations for their events. So we started the company uh, in Hamilton as you know, and now we're we're actually also situated in Toronto, so we're working out of the uh, the DMZ here, uh, where we're part of their their playbook program. So this program is specifically focused and designed around growth and sales. Uh, so sort of how we like to phrase it is that we built the company in Hamilton, but we were accelerated in Toronto because that's sort of how we feel that uh, that it's gone. So. Yeah, we've, you know, over the course of about three years now, yeah, we've had the opportunity of working with more than 350 event organizers and, you know, thousands of events predominantly in Southern Ontario, but also ranging all across Canada um, with with some events being in both the West Coast and the East Coast of the uh, of the country. Any any specific events? Like, is it for like um, more conference related events or would it be more focused for like casual party events or any kind? Yeah, typically. Uh, so we do, we do cater actually to pretty much any type of event. Like there are a lot of conferences and expos and uh, trade show type events that we work with. But what we found is that we've had a lot of success and that kind of seems to be where our sweet spot is, is working with more, um, yeah, more social type events. Like what we do really well in actually is, is a lot of food and drink. Um, mm. and even from there, 
craft beer festivals. We've, we've, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's in a name, if we've got brew in a name at the brew hall, like for whatever reason, craft beer has sort of become our, uh, I guess you could put it like our, our, uh, our A-list, uh, customer. I'm curious how you're accelerating growth. Like how do you yeah. define growth at Bruja? Like what does growth mean? Right, right. Yeah, that's actually, that's a really good question. So for us, there's two key metrics that we sort of look at when, when we define growth within a company. Um, and so I would say that would include total activations, uh, ticketed, ticketed events, activated and revenue. So, you know, if you're looking at the North Star metric here for us, I would say that would be the activations. Um, and what I mean by an activation, just uh, for the listeners who are probably wondering, like, what the heck does he mean by an activation? <laughs> so for us, we, we define an activation as any time an event gets created and published on a platform. You know, kind of even taking that a, a step further, uh, specifically our North Star metric would be the number of ticketed events that have, that have been activated. And the reason why we consider this our North Star metric is because the more events that we have on a platform means that our end consumers, so ticket buyers or people looking for experiences, have more content to browse through and more options when they're looking for events. And what that does essentially is that indirectly attracts more users, but it also means that other events that are already listed on the site or about to list on the site, they also now have the opportunity of gaining more visibility because our user base is increasing. The more events we're going to get on there, the more users we're going to get on there. The more users we're going to get on there, the more visibility that these events have and higher higher success rate that they're going to have of now selling more tickets for their uh for their events. And that's, you know, it's definitely a challenge for sure. When uh, I think when it comes to really like any type of double sided marketplaces, like how do you, you know, how do you focus on both of those, but also individually at the same time? Nice. Like, um, that's a really good point. I was, the thing that popped in my head was the chicken, chicken and egg problem. You're trying to figure out which side mm-hmm. of the market really to focus on. I'm curious exactly. what's, what's been your main driver of growth so far? Like, um, I noticed you were um, on your website. You were like helping promoters, uh, event to promote uh, event organizers to promote their events. So you're really trying to yep. help them grow their event. It, would that be like some kind of way to, I guess, activate more events? I'm glad that you brought it up. That's a new feature that we recently rolled out at. Uh the beginning of yeah the beginning of may we rolled it out so the reason why we launched this feature is you know we had a like we started compiling all this data on on events selling tickets with us and, and you know we got this data and we're like okay you know there's clearly a large problem here because these events on average are only selling anywhere from 30 to 40 percent of their ticket sales or mm-hmm. their ticket inventory online so if you're an event organizer, that's a huge challenge for you because that means that you're either just breaking even, maybe just making a profit, or even in a lot of cases, not even breaking even. And now you're going to have to pay for a lot of these expenses that are going into this event out of your own pocket. So you're losing money. And when that happens, chances are the event, you know, maybe it happens in right. future years. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe these, you know, these organizers close down their business for that event and then maybe it's on to the next thing for them um yeah so that's the reason why we came up with promoter predominantly was just to have a a way for organizers to hire what we call event promoters so really anyone it's sort of like the uber the airbnb model like anyone can sign up to become a promoter um now how good of a promoter you are is sort of up to you how many tickets are you helping these organizers sell so i guess that is definitely uh one driver of growth and it's helped out with our activations and our acquisitions but i would say 
you know, there's been a few areas that have really helped to drive and influence uh, the growth of our company. But I, I would have to say that the number one driver of our growth to date has been just being able to establish relationships and having conversations. So it's more of the approach of how we're selling rather than actually selling itself. Mm. So, you know, this is something that we were able to do uh, very well above anything else very early on. Um, and we also knew that we were in a very social space. So what we wanted to do from day one was establish a sense of community as a core value from the get-go. Uh, so we had what we did early on is like we literally had conversations with anyone and everyone that we could, whether it was about the platform specifically, right. uh, about other event platforms, about their needs, about how they sell tickets, some of their issues, not only with these other ticketing platforms, but with event management even in general. And so what we were able to do um, was was gain so not only have a conversation with them, which is always meaningful, but gain a lot of trust, a lot of uh, loyalty, and and reputation. And because of that, we were securing acquisitions and having a lot of repeat events and repeat uh, clients. Mm, no, that, that's good. No, that's definitely good. Like you're, you know, at very early stage, you're really trying to figure out what's working and what's not. And conversations are typically like the best way to learn the quickest. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's particularly true for experiments. Uh, now mm-hmm. I just want to shift gears a little bit and um, curious what kind of experiments you've, you've ran for Bruja that had maybe the biggest impact on, on metrics. Or, or maybe let's not talk about impact. Maybe let's talk about experiments that really surprised you. It's like, wow, I, I didn't expect that result. Yeah, 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 for sure. So one thing... So there's, there's kind of three that come to mind. Uh, and we've done a lot of experimentation over even, even over the past year alone. But uh, these three are, are experiments that, you know, we did over the past year. And now we've, uh, we've, we've sort of realized that they work. So we've implemented them as, as a regular process. One of them was onboarding. Um, so we, we are a, a, a do-it-yourself platform where anyone can really go on the site and list their events. Um, and what we were doing before is we were, you know, with our outbound sales, we were selling the product. And then when it got to the point that these event organizers had made some sort of commitment or agreement to using the platform, what we found is actually that 50% of them didn't follow through with that. So you had 50% of them creating the events, and then you had 50% of them either forgetting or maybe they were going to another platform. Mm. Uh, and so what we did is we sort of made it like a mandatory step that the next step, once we get that verbal commitment, is we move them to an onboarding process. And the, the whole part of this is just for us to have you know anywhere from half hour to an hour conversation of running through the platform with them. We do a screen share, typically on Google Hangout. Um, and we actually set up the event right then and there with them. So we've got the activation right there. Um, and so what we've noticed through that is that significantly increased the number of activations and it decreased uh, our churn and our loss, mm-hmm. which was phenomenal. That hands, hands down, I would say that is probably the best experiment that, that, we, that we did when we started testing out this onboarding process. That's cool. Um, two other things. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it actually worked out really well for us. Two other things were, would be um, just with, on the content marketing side of things. So... We started uh, writing these event marketing type blog pieces just to really provide some insights uh, and some tips and tricks for event organizers. And what we found with that is as we started doing more and more and more of them, 
we started generating a lot more demand for the product and just even a lot more awareness. And what we got with that was a lot more inbound leads coming through, uh, which was great. And then uh, the other thing that, that we were doing, this now this is more on the consumer side of things, but we started testing out uh, an event email newsletter. Um, and so we started testing it out on a monthly basis at first. And what we would do is we would send once a month, just sort of like a recap of, okay, here are, you know, anywhere from three to eight different events that you might want to check out that are happening around you. Um, so the engagement was pretty good. Uh, we just found that like a month wasn't really, mm, right. it wasn't too frequent. So we push it back to, or, or sorry, increase the frequency to a week. And what we found is a week was just too much for people. And we started seeing a lot of people opt out of email. Um, and so then we pushed it back to two weeks and we found that two weeks is the sweet spot. Like that's, cool. that's typically when people want to find out these. Yeah. So, and, and what we found at the end result of that is that it helped us just to increase traffic, uh, increase the time on site. And at the end of the day, it increased the amount of tickets being purchased, which is obviously, you know, a win for everyone uh, involved. I like how you keep tying back to metrics, man. That's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, oh, here's experience. It's tied to this metric. That's cool. It is, you man. Know? It's gotta be. If you can't, at the end of the day, it's just like that old analogy, that old saying, like, if you can't measure it, you can't mm. prove it. If you even just break it down, like, okay, how many emails are you sending out? How many people are opening them? How many people are landing on the page? Like, just cover even the most basic metrics. If you start off with that, like, over time, you are going to see results because you're going to get data that you nice. can start to Yeah, So true. Hey, I, I, you know, I, I love talking about Bruja. You know, it's great. You guys are doing great things. The, the other great thing you're doing is the Art of Fail podcast. And that's actually how we connected, right? Like, uh, you know, you were doing this podcast and then I started following you. And then I had a buddy who was in Hamilton working there. It's like, oh, this is yep. cool. I started listening to it. What is the Art of Fail podcast and how did that come about? Yeah. Yeah. Really good question. Um, so the Art of Fail podcast, it's a it's a business podcast where me and my co-host, Chris Buttonham. So he, Chris is the CEO of uh, OB.ai. And anyways, yeah. So going back to the Art of the Fail, uh, uh, what we do is we talk with entrepreneurs, startup founders, um, all about failures. So what we want to do is we want to get the anecdotal experiences of people going through hardships and really at the end of the day, like mold a story, tell a story, what, you know, what was the failure you went through and how, how did you overcome it? Mm. Uh, and so the goal of that, the goal of the podcast is at the end of the day to remove the negative stigma because there still is a negative stigma around failing and just putting yourself out there. Um, and, and so it's kind of an interesting backstory even to how, to how we got started and how Chris and myself connected in the first place. Um, so we were working out of the Forge, the incubator here in Hamilton. And it's so funny because for the longest time, like we worked in the same office space. We would cross paths one another, like we'd walk by one another, but we had, we had never even taken the time to even say, hello, hey, how's it going or introduce ourselves. And so my business partner, Graham, he ended up going, this is, you know, fast track, maybe a year and a half, two years. He ended up going to visit Chris in, in San Francisco. This is when the OB team got accepted into the 500 Startups. Uh, program in San Fran. And so Graham went to go stay with them for a week. And then that's how I then made more of a connection with Chris because then me and him started talking and even his other teammates. Yeah, kind of, you know, since then, Chris and myself sort of like hit it off and we just like, we're both so passionate about the Canadian ecosystem. And so I was doing this thing at the time called Startups in Canada that I had, uh, I kind of took it on just as like a side project. It was more or less like a, like 
I don't know, you could call it like an SEO. It was like an SEO platform. <laughs> I wanted this listing directory site where uh, Canadian founders could go on there, list their startups and just connect with other startups uh, and other founders. And so Chris liked the idea of it. And, you know, it ended up being something that like, unfortunately, I just didn't have enough time to dedicate it to mm-hmm. dedicate to it because it would have involved like a lot of uh, more or less just like a lot of content being pumped out through through the channels. Um, but anyways, me and Chris kind of like took that over and like made a spin on it. We talked about doing a podcast and then we talked about failure. We're like, let's do this because no one else is talking about failure. Cool. So that's essentially, that's how we started the podcast. No, that's a great story, man. Like I've um, been listening. It's good to hear. Uh, where can people find the uh, Art of Fail <laughs> podcast? Like if, if people want to like, hey, you know, I want to hear about people failing so I don't feel so alone about in, with my journey it's like where what, what what's the website where can people find it on itunes or yeah yeah so if you go on any of the directories uh you know itunes google uh stitcher blueberry soundcloud uh just type in the art of the fail and it should come up as the first result but if you want to if anyone wants to listen to it directly they can just go uh, go right to our website and our url is the aotf.com nice nice good to hear i kind of flipped this usually my my show has the call to action at the end i kind of flipped it around I had to call <laughs> that's okay i love asking this question to you know what's your advice for people who are trying to get into entrepreneurship or marketing it's good to hear mm-hmm. uh, from somebody who's a little bit ahead of the road maybe you're, you're talking to somebody who's just in university or somebody who is in sales they want to start their own thing and they feel like they're stuck in their job. Like what would be your advice to maybe those two groups of people in general or specifically to them? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So this is something that like, I always, <laughs> I always really like think about this question quite a bit. Cause I, I don't want to come across as that guy who's like so cliche in terms of what he's putting out there or what he's saying. Right. Um, but Something that I actually heard, and one piece of advice that I recently heard at a conference in Toronto back in June, the uh, the Takeover Innovation Conference, um, that really stood out to me by one of the keynote speakers was to fall in love with the process and the steps that it takes to get to the result, and not the result mm. itself. Um, right. And so, like he sort of like went on uh, the keynote speaker. I think Joe Jackman was his name. Um, And so he was saying is like, you literally just, you have to fall in love with everything about that process that it takes to get to the results. So you have to fall in love with the tough times, uh, the lack of proper resources and budgets. Uh, You got to fall in love with the no's and the rejections along the way. You got to fall in love with the, hundreds, if not thousands of product iterations. You got to fall in love with the failed campaigns, with the constructive feedback. And you have to understand that all of that, it's that's all what goes into achieving the results that you want to see. If you fall in love strictly with the end results and the desired outcome alone, you're, you're really, you're, you're never going to persevere mm-hmm. and make it. Or maybe you, I don't know, maybe the 1% do. That's awesome, man. No, that's something that's been on my mind. You know, you, you don't want to, once you achieve the result, what's next, right? And when you fall in with the process, you're always mm-hmm. getting better and, and growing with that art that you have, right? That's the last question. I know I'm hitting up the exactly. half, hour, half hour mark. Do you have any other call to actions? Like, where do you want my listeners to go to? Uh, you already talked about your podcast. Like, where can people find you? Where can people find Bruja? So Bruja, um, just on our website, bruha.com. 
and uh, we're, we're kind of like everywhere on social media. All of our handles are the same. So it's at Bruja Exclusive. And, uh, and yeah, that's where you can find us. Thank you so much, Chris, for being on uh, the podcast. I can't wait to release this out. So you, got, you have a really great afternoon and rest of the day, man. Yeah, yeah, you too. Thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening on this episode with Christian. If you uh, are, like I said earlier in the beginning, I am looking for guests for this show. If you know if a marketer or if you're a marketer yourself or a growth designer or a growth product manager, I would like to have you or anybody you know as a guest. Uh, reach out to me at Ramley at Growth Marketing Today. I am looking to you know, to chat with more people in this, in this podcast. In, uh, in any case, uh, that's it for today and keep on growing.